Welcome. You are listening to The Mindful Minute, meditations created for everyday joy. I'm your host, Meryl Arnett, and my passion is making meditation accessible and enjoyable. This podcast is recorded from my live Monday night meditation class, where we have a brief discussion followed by a guided meditation. If you would like to access these meditation practices as standalone audio files for your daily practice, please subscribe to my newsletter at merylarnett.com. It's free and you'll receive a new mini meditation each week, along with behind the scenes content and bonus material for each podcast episode. All right, let's grab a cup of tea, a comfy seat, and settle in for today's practice. Hello, friends. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Mindful Minute. So today, I am bringing a conversation to you with Jamie Della. Jamie is a witch, an ordained priestess, and the author of 10 books, including her newest book, which is out now, A Box of Magic. Now, I know for some of you listeners, you're going to be wondering, why would a meditation podcast be talking about witchcraft? And I bet equally there are a lot of listeners who are like, of course, that makes so much sense. Because I think what you'll find over the course of this conversation is how much overlap there is between uh, a witch archetype, the energy of witchcraft in the modern world, and our meditation practice. We talk a lot today in this conversation about stillness, about intuitive knowing, about earth-based spirituality. And as we talk, I think you'll really hear so much overlap to so many of the teachings that I've shared on the podcast, as well as other guests have shared as I've interviewed them. I thought it would be really fun. It's in spirit of the season to bring this conversation to you. A Box of Magic was a really interesting read. I totally delighted in it. Jamie structured the book as uh, the hero's journey. So there are 12 chapters that carry us through, I'm going to say almost the fundamentals of witchcraft. We talk about elemental magic, divination, ancestors. Of course, we spend some time on the witch archetype. It's a really fun, insightful conversation. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Please note we were recording right in the middle of Mercury retrograde. And as Jamie is leading a really beautiful practice at the end of our session today, her computer cut off right at the end. Then we come back, (laughs) we repair. Um, But if you hear a bit of weirdness in the recording, that's what happened. Without further ado, I'm so excited to introduce you to Jamie and let you listen in on today's conversation. Enjoy. Jamie, welcome so much to the Mindful Minute. I have been so looking forward to this conversation. Thank you for taking some time to chat today. I am so thrilled to speak with you and to make some connections and some bridges so that people can see what witchcraft and magic is really all about. Thanks for having me. Yes, my pleasure. You're my first official. um, That's probably a total lie, but you're my first official that (laughs) states out loud to the world, which on the podcast, and I'm delighted to have you. I'm delighted to bring this conversation to the meditation community. And so we're here to talk about your new book, 
A yes. box of magic. Yes, it's a box of magic. My 10th book with the long subtitle, A Guided Journey to Crafting a Magical Life Through Witchcraft, Ritual Herbalism, and Spellcrafting. Mm, Yummy. So <laughs> good. And I would love for you just to share the story of how this book came into being. Mm. I thought it was just magic in and of itself. It, it really was. So I was on a book signing tour at, um, in February of 2020 for the Book of Spells, which is the book that came out last. And I went to go get a psychic reading as you do, as a witch will do. Like, oh, I'm on a book signing tour. There's a new psychic I can go talk to. And asking for guidance and, and just, you know, how to stand behind this book about witchcraft when in a place where I'm trying to let people understand that it is very close to meditation. It's very close to like the earth spiritualities and other forms of embracing the natural seasons and the in-breath and the out-breath that we have this opportunity when we follow nature. So I was at this book, I was um, getting a psychic reading and all of a sudden the gentleman says, oh, you have we have a visitor. And he starts describing my Wiccan elder high priestess who had been gone for 15 years. He says, oh, she's got cat-like eyes and a pixie haircut, and she's giggling. And I'm oh, that's Connie. That's my mentor. And he says, well, she says she wants you to go get a picture of her and take her on your next book signing tour. And I thought, okay, because I don't know if anybody else has those kind of messages, whether it comes from an ancestor or a, a beloved person or even just your higher power that gives you a direction that feels very firm. And you just follow it. You don't know why. You don't know what's going to end up, but you just do it. So I posted on Facebook that I was looking for a picture of Connie and her daughter responded. Her daughter, Alexa, responded and sent me a picture that ironically looked a lot. It was a picture of her and her mom. And it looked so much like a picture of me and my mom. Very, very similar. And I just was so touched by that. And so I immediately put it in a frame and put it in my book bag. Okay, we're going to go on tour. I don't know what this means. But a couple of months later, Alexa call or called me and said, would you like my mom's educational background, her curricula? It was 50 years of material that she had collected from the ESP Institute from 1971 to correspondence classes from also that same era or things written on um, napkins or uh, yellow paper or the there were some things that were written in dot matrix where it was still attached like an accordion, you know, just really ancient works. And I didn't, I didn't know what to do with all of it. And then, so I accepted it. it the family gave me their blessing. Connie's family gave me their blessing for me to have all of this material. And her daughter put a little note on it that says, I hope you can do something with this stuff. Well, I, I didn't know what to do with it at first. And then over a year, of looking at the material and just wondering, I heard that voice of Connie say, tell them about us. And I thought, oh, because magic is in the connections we make. Magic is in the connections we make, whether that's to our tarot deck or our animals, uh, our animal spirits, our animal guides, the colors, the numbers, what the days of the week, the planets, whatever it is that we make a connection with, that's where the magic happens, is through that highway of the web of our connection. And so I started writing this book, a, a box of magic, and I decided to place it on the hero's journey because I got to sit with my mentor for three years of my life at her knee and learning how to apply the magic. And I already had two books out, the Wicked Cookbook and the Teen Spellbook. By the time I met Connie, 
But I was also in my young, um, early 30s, at the beginning of a divorce, trying to raise two toddler sons and not sure how to apply the magic outside of the holidays. Like, how do you live it? Not just when are the days that are like, quote unquote, the special days. What is, what are the, how do you live it every day when you wake up? How do you hear those messages and those omens and those spirit guides and apply them to your everyday living? That's what I wanted to know. And that's what Connie taught me. So that's what had to be included in the book, this memoir section. So there's narration, there's memoir, and there are there's a spell and a ritual so that each chapter aligns with the 12 steps of the hero's journey that was identified by mythologist Joseph Campbell to describe a pattern that we tell our stories of personal transformation. So we accept a call to adventure, we accept our allies, and then we take that step and we enter the mystical world. And then at some point we meet our shadow selves. We meet this side of ourselves that is the abyss uh, in the hero's journey. And then we come back with that chalice of holy grail of our own self-knowledge, of our own self-love and self-acceptance. And that's what we then share with the world. So Connie is now on a book tour with me with her picture, just like she wanted to do three years ago. And, and I didn't know how it was going to happen. And I think that's the most magical part is the mystery, Mm. you know, Mm. and staying in that wonder. That's what's really important because people will ask me, is this a book for beginners or intermediates or advanced? And I believe because of the storytelling aspect, It is for everybody because the most important thing, if you've been on this witchcraft path or a witchy lifestyle, wild woman, sisterhood, whatever you call it, that you are always living it. It is part of your breath and part of what you do. And bringing this this book to to everybody, it reminds us about the wonder, how important it is to stay in awe of life and in awe of the magic that occurs and to never as, as much as you can to not get jaded about those wonderful serendipities or spontaneous happenings, whatever you want to call them, because magic was used to be called the nameless arts for a reason, because you cannot put boxes of words around these feelings that are bigger than words themselves. You know, it's so interesting. I, I said to you right before we started recording as well that I could hear that you could replace all of the word witchcraft with the word meditation and say the exact same words. And I love, you know, you're talking about connection. You're talking about this hero's journey, all of which I see in our meditation practice. And I wonder how you see the parallel between a practice that is inviting in stillness and connection to self as well as the world around us that I would call meditation with a practice that you might call witchcraft. I would love to hear how you see the parallels. I see them so different. I mean, so, so different. No, I see them so similar, so similar. The only difference is just in how we call it and how Mm -hmm. we name it because yeah, because for me, it's a meditative focus. That, that's spell work is meditating and focus on whether that's just being connected to nature. And so that witchcraft, the word witch comes from the word wise. And we are wise when we follow the guidance of nature. So I was I was saying that in breath and out breath. My children went to a Waldorf school. So the pedagogy is in, it just ingrained in me of this idea that we have an out breath. We have an expansion, a yang, a yang 
feeling where we're out there doing and producing. And then we need that moment of quiet and stillness and introspection so that we follow. I call them uh, the wheel of the year is what most people call the eight pagan sabbats or holy days, holidays throughout the year. So in there's the solstices and the equinoxes, and those are the ones that most people know. So that would be mm-hmm. in, right? So in winter, we rest. In, in spring, we birth. In summer, we bloom. And in fall, we release. And so that these are meditation points. These holidays are meditation points on the wheel of the year. So the other n- name for it is the mandala of nature. Mm. So it is very much that meditation because you are meditating on what does this season showcase. So if we're following the wheel of the year, if we're following nature in a meditative way, we realize as we come to fall, it's getting colder. The leaves are dropping. They're bringing in their energy to their core. And that's what we need to do at that time. And what do we drop? We drop the old stories that we don't want to take into winter with us. The things that are going to make our monkey mind go Bobo zigzag, you know, and and really lose it. But if we can let those things go and slow ourselves down for the season of introspection and quiet, that ebb and flow, because we need to learn to trust the ebb as much as the flow. And when we come into that time, that's the ebb, that's returning into ourselves. So to me, they're very much the same. We my my mentor would call it uh, mental magic. Mm, this oh, idea of, yeah, this idea of focusing. And I was raised with, um, and the Christian science church I went to every day. So that was also another level of mental magic by seeing the wholeness, by meditating on your wholeness is how you can bring your wellness forward. Mm. So you write a lot about nature mm-hmm. in this book, which I love, And one of the things that caught my attention right off the bat in the introduction is you mentioned forest bathing. Uh, And if I remember correctly, just like in a very, it was not like a big paragraph, it was like a sentence, but it was a mention of forest bathing as magic. Mm -hmm. And it caught my attention because I would call forest bathing a form of meditation. I know there are people Mm -hmm. that would call it a form of exercise or Mm self-care. I know there are people that would look at it as science and like the health of the Mm -hmm. body. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what an incredible example to call us into a place of looking at magic because we could look at it through so many lenses, right? But you're talking about something that so many of us do whether we call it forest bathing or going for a walk, right? But we step out right. in nature. We feel yes. we have an experience in nature. And so I'd love to talk a little bit about A, how you see or feel or define magic with a K at the end. <laughs> and then I want to segue into nature and the elements a little bit more. Okay. Uh, um. Oh my goodness. Okay. So that was so broad. I know. Sorry. <laughs> Just like oh, talk about right, everything. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk yeah, about. Like oh oh. Okay. Well, I think magic with a K. We'll start there. So, and first of all, I want to say yes. Do I call it magic? Yes. And the magic is a question that people say: Is it real? Your experience is real. So therefore, if you call it magic, it is real, and it, it's it's up to you. It's a self-defining term. You get to decide what this is. And so I want to begin with that and say, that's the first thing you can call it magic. And the reason I call it magic is because it is about 
that wonder, that seeing the the sparkle, allowing that to, you know, you doesn't have to be your choice to call it magic, but if you do choose to call it magic, it's an opportunity for you to see, to, to, to open a door, open a portal so that more magic, more mystical, more serendipity, more quick response to your desires can happen. So when you open up to the idea of whether you call them miracles or manifestation or affirmations or or whatever it is that that suddenly works out for you, call it magic because it allows more magic to come in. Yes. If you dismiss it, you're not going to get that level of magic. You're not going to you're not going to keep attracting it just like a positive attitude attracts positive people and positive experiences a positive mindset towards magic will create more magic. So that's the, that's the first one. And then why I spell it with the K for a couple of different reasons, one to separate it from the world of the mundane so that it's, uh, it's not magic tricks, you know, it's, it's not, it's not something that is um, superficial or to be made fun of, or to be made light of. It's a uh, lifestyle, a worldview and a practice because we're always learning because one minute, it means one thing to call yourself a witch at 11, another thing at 17, another thing at 25, 45, 75. Every time you live closer to nature, closer to the elements and really find yourself diving into what does it mean to really connect with the element of water and my emotions and my feelings and the nebulous land of dreams. What does that mean? And then now we, you know, each of the seasons that even are related to one of the elements fall is water. Well, everyone will see it different, but this is how I view it. This is my Wiccan perspective and I am Wiccan witchcraft. So Wicca is a it is a protected religion in the United States. It's recognized, so we should have protection. Sometimes we have to fight for it, but we just like just like women have to fight for our rights. Our witches do too. And so, <laughs> and so, sorry, a little quick insert there uh, <laughs> for the feminine divine uh, and her principles. Because for me, you know, witchcraft elevates the the goddess and not to the better than the god. However, she is our birthing mother, and therefore we give her that level of respect. And sometimes it feels imbalanced or off because the patriarchy is so strong. So we see this push through witchcraft to elevate the divine feminine and the principles of rest and introspection and integration. Therefore, she is the ground. She is Mother Earth. That is the G in magic. And the K is the sky or the divine feminine and the divine masculine. So that is our expression. And so this is like a, a Venn diagram. If you had a circle that represented the ground and the mother earth energy and the divine um, feminine principles, and then another circle that represented the divine masculine and the production and the doing and the expression of ourselves in the middle is the, where the magic meets. And that's where we live in between heaven and earth. Mm. So that's, that's how, and then in terms of relating to the elements for me, it's, you know, one of the things I like to talk about and is that there's a lot of people who are learning about witchcraft through memes, right? Oh yeah. And through online and, but memes don't have experience. Mentors do, sages do, elders do. And so I feel it's very important 
to bring that back to this witchcraft practice, to celebrate our elder women. They have songs for us. They have meditations for us. They have wisdom for us because they have already beaten down the path. They have these women, they are feminists, have wedged open that door that we're busting through. And so now witches like myself, who have first had books, author book, uh, authored Wicca and witchcraft books in as early as 2000, when it was really scary to stand up in a in a public place and say you're a witch. I mean, now people go, oh, that's interesting. Then they would cover their children's ears as if I had just said a cuss word. Mm. And so it was, but the reason I did it is just as the same reason that anyone, all the women folk or people who are of dark skin or gender fluidity, you know, we have to stand up for our marginalized and witchcraft has become marginalized because it represents internal power, not power that we siphon off of the larger, you know, the powers that be or being the little subservient people to it, we are taking on our health, our mental health, our physical health, our emotional health. We are taking that accountability and responsibility by living a balanced life, by eating foods in season, by celebrating when we should be big and bloom in summer and learn to let it go and fall and be quiet. That's part of a magical life is having it never, never separate from who you are. Like you can't take the woman out of you or the man out of a person or the soul out of a person in the same way that you cannot separate your witchcraft practice from who you really are. And you don't even have to call yourself a witch. That's the other thing. It's really important. You don't have to call yourself a witch. You don't have to call, you have to do spells. You don't have to do rituals. You don't have to do anything like that to live a magical life. Just listen and join the conversation so that when you feel that, oh my gosh, I need calm. And for my meditation practice, I'm going to get that lavender essential oil. Well, maybe consider the lavender is calling you into its state of calm because our consciousness are on equal plane with trees and stars and and flowers. We're not better than than our dog. We are not more elevated than that butterfly that is telling us to transform or that feather that drops down to says to lighten up or the lavender that calls us into its state of calm so that when we take it, you could take little small steps. You put in your lavender essential oil in your diffuser and you take a moment to see the plant that this lavender oil came from and say, thank you. Mm. And energetically, science has now proven that plant knows That plant knows and feels you and recognizes it's being utilized in a way that it was also intended. We all have special powers. So do the plants. We we want our powers to be seen out in the world. So do the plants. We work in symbiotic relationship with them. And through that relationship, we develop plant allies in the same way that if I needed a ride to the airport, I would ask a friend, not a stranger. So we develop these relationships with the plants so that we are literally developing a relationship with the plants like you would with a friend. And so we don't say, I used lavender today. I worked with it. I wouldn't say I used Meryl today for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so, right. and so it's it's this level of kind of turning our words because words have power. Words Mm -hmm. have power. So making sure that we say things in such a way that empower ourselves and deepen our connection to the places we want to go. You know, in meditation, we think about the dream, not the nightmare. And the same is true with our spell work. 
You, you envision what you want to move forward with. And sometimes it's that just that stillness to allow the wisdom of the universe to bubble up to our consciousness. We don't have to go searching for it, right? It's in that quiet. You're leading me to one of the conversations or one of the questions I want to talk about, which is divination. And listeners will know, like, I'm all about divination. I love me some oracle cards. I love runes. <laughs> I'm very, very interested in synchronicity and the subconscious. I'm very interested in the ways that we see or hear or feel a truth. Um, and so I loved your chapter on divination. I thought maybe mm -hmm. we'd talk a little bit about it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and so I, that was a really, a, not a difficult chapter, but in a certain way, it kind of was primarily because there's so much to cover. There are oh. so many different ways to divine, to ask the universe for guidance and, or to really, you know, like they'll say, it's really, you're asking yourself. Yes, we know that. We know we're asking ourselves, but we can't get out of our own way. So it's kind of like when you flip the coin and you get heads, you're like, oh, shoot, I want a tails. Well, now, you know, <laughs> so, yep. so that's our divination. You know, when people say, oh, you know, that divination, that's, that's scary. It's like, well, do you ever flip a coin? Do you, you know, do you, there's so many, do you ever blow on a candle of our birthday wish? Do you ever blow on a dandelion puff? Then you're doing divination. You're making wishes. You're noticing how did that, you know, did, did it, did the candle blow out right away? Did you get them all? You know, I mean, we all have these little superstitions that we don't call anything, but they're just part of our lives, you know, and it's as if it's not happening, but it truly is. And so I feel like it's whatever you're drawn to. One of the things that happens with people who are just starting this practice, they tend to feel like they're supposed to do absolutely everything. You know, they're supposed to have the wand and the bells and the, and the drums and the crystals and the herbs and, and somehow <laughs> download it all. And that's not it. It's like the old woman in the shoe had too many children, didn't know what to do. Like you don't go to the nursery and bring home 15 new plants and think that you're going to be able to know how to tend to each one. It needs time for integration. And that's the beauty about where witchcraft really touches base with meditation is because it's not a lot of just doing. There's a lot of listening. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of importance in this stillness to listen for the answers to the questions you didn't even know to ask. To always know that you are going to be learning all the time. So do not try to learn everything because that defeats the purpose of developing deeper relationships with these magical correspondences, such as our divination cards, our oracle decks, the bones, the ruins, whatever we use to ask the universe because you're literally divine. The div you're, you're trying to basically align with your higher power so that you could hear that message. Mm. You know, one of the inquiries that I really enjoyed reflecting on is you have a bit in that chapter around the ways that we divine. So in terms of Clara sentience or Clara audience. Oh, yes. And it, I really paused there because I thought, you know, oh, that's interesting. I don't know that I've ever paid attention to the way that I know something, Right. And it right. came up recently for me because I, I made a comment. I was being interviewed for a podcast, actually. And I made the comment that in my very first yoga class, clear as a bell, I heard, you will teach this one day. 
Mm-hmm. And so I made that statement and the woman interviewing me said, oh, that's interesting. Did you literally hear the words? And I thought, oh, what a good question. Did I? And I didn't, I did not actually hear those words. They just landed fully formed in my brain as if I had heard them. And so I had that moment. And then when I was reading about uh, in the divination chapter about these ways that we know, I thought, oh, this is, there's a correlation here. Like, how do I know, quote unquote, something inside myself? So I, I really enjoyed reading that reflection. Yeah. Thank you. I think that's really important because, you know, people will say, well, just follow your gut, just follow your intuition, just in, follow your inner knowing. And for someone who's never practiced this or recognized that they even had an inner knowing to begin with, that's not fair. That's like just saying, just climb up the mountain and not telling them what gear they might need <laughs> or something, you know, or the clothes or anything. So I feel one of the most important things is the easiest ways to decide to feel where in your body you're perceiving information is by the next time you walk into a room of, with a bunch of people, let's say it's happy or sad, where do you feel that? Recognize in your body, if there's been an argument, do you feel like, do you withdraw in your throat? Like, does it like, does it seize your throat up? Does it seize your heart? Do your hands go cold? Where is your telltale sign that this isn't a safe place? Mm. And then when you enter a space that feels very open and welcoming, Feel into your body. Where does that joy lift you up from? Where are you tapping into that feeling of welcoming and community? So that way, when you need to ask yourself some bigger questions, like which is the right house to buy? Or is it time for a second child? Or do I go to this school or take this job? You'll know your yes, no. And then to take it to the next level, whether or not you're perceiving that divination from hearing, from clear hearing, because Claire audio. Claire means clear. Audio is hearing. Clairvoyance is being able to see. So you might have visions flash in your eye. You might, you might hear things or you might taste things or you might smell things. And, and there's just an, or just a knowing like a mother's knowing when you're like, my child's in danger. How do you know? I know, you know, it's that it's, you know it. And so it's a matter of really feeling into our bodies, into the somatic experience of our spiritual experience, because to separate those two is to take away from that grounded earth and that sky energy. Then we lose our magic. If we, if we are just in one realm or the other, the magic happens when we blend the two, when we bring the mystical of our thoughts and our ideas into our doingness and our feelingness so that we literally feel a buzz with magic tingling through our body. That's what I want. That's what I hope for everybody is, is to be able to feel the magic at your fingertips and to know that you are co-creating your life with the universe. So if you show up somewhere and you need a parking spot and you're doing your you know meditation to get a good parking spot kind of a thing, I feel it's really important that when that parking spot manifests, that we don't take credit just for ourselves. It's not like I manifested it. I'm working with the universe to manifest this life. I am co-creating. We are never alone in witchcraft. We are always surrounded by allies and that web of life. And I feel that's so important. And it allows for that humbleness, allows for more connection. Because if it was all based on our powers and manifestation, then we're we're alone. We're all always trying to prove how, how badass we are. 
<laughs> if we're working in connection and you and I did this together, you and I are having a great conversation together. It's not just me. It's not just you. And it's also our listeners, people who are listening, people who we might be reaching and that, that, you know, dropping in that pebble in the concentric circles that resonate out and touch other people. And that's why we're here, right? To share this lifestyle, to share this beauty with others, because the, you know, rising tide lifts all boats. So let's all lift up. <laughs> you know, it's so interesting. I just, right before this interview, I filmed another or recorded another interview with actually my meditation teacher. And we had almost the exact same conversation in the sense that, you know, meditation feels like a practice for the self, mm -hmm. right? It is it is to connect with our inner selves. And yet it is a practice of understanding the connection of everything, not just amongst people, but of everything in this universe. Mm. And in she had written a book about the self. And yet in the book about the self, in every chapter, there is a section on community care. Mm, love and it. it's, you know, it's, it, she just basically said exactly what you said. And, and listeners, this is what I really am wanting to highlight in this conversation is that, you know, it's, it's not just a, in a perfect box, a meditation practice. It's not one thing that makes us whole or healthy or connected or happy, but it is this weaving of the way that we live our lives, the way that we move, not just through a seated practice on a cushion, but also through our yards and our roads and our stores and every place that we go, you know? And so I think maybe as we move towards the end of the conversation, Jamie, let's talk a bit about the witch archetype, because it's, I think it's easy to hear the word witch and either say, yes, me, or no, not me. And I want us to talk about, let's talk about what this archetype means and how it exists in the world. Well, I believe this archetype is um, of the witch. She's a wise, they, it, we, <laughs> the, the pronouns, excuse me. <laughs> I tend to say she with a witch primarily because there is so much um, reverence for the goddess and I am a, I am a woman. So I tend to say she as a witch, but anyone can be a witch. Let's just make sure that we say that there's not witches and warlocks like Harry Potter. It's just witches for everybody. Um, so as an archetype, this is an, an evolving sense. For me, I see a couple of different archetypes and I use the tarot to explain that. So we have the earth mother energy. That is a witch. But every witch will look a little different, you know, but that there is that earth mother energy, that that giving energy that, um, you know, the witch at the at the village that would dispense herbs, you know, the, the this kind of a thing at the, at the edge of the village who would be like the wise woman you would go to for your herbs, for your medicines, this kind of a thing. There is that healer person. There is also the magician who the magician archetype of that lends itself to being a witch, which is someone who creates magic through those connections, who creates magic because you see that tapestry of life and you can see the places where there might be holes that we need to learn from. Maybe like the, the weavings of indigenous women who would leave the holes in their blankets as 
as a connection point to the spirit world. I am human. I make mistakes. I am learning through my mistakes. So that is the alchemy that is witchcraft. And I feel that this archetype is so different because she is a wild woman. She is a rebel. They are rebels, uh, witches. They stand on the outside because one of the most frightening and exciting things about being a witch is that you are always your own best teacher. 100% of the time. And so that's why it's so hard to define the archetype because it evolves and shows up differently on each person. It it morphs with each person. It comes out through their personality, whether whether they're introverts or extroverts, whether they prefer a, a practice, a solo practice, or if they like big public rituals. It's so completely different, as different as nature is itself. But it is an empowering That is the most thing you are empowered to co-create your life with the nature, with nature, with the elements and all the magical correspondences, whether that's a cat familiar or, you know, sunflowers, (laughs) whatever it is that, 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 that makes you feel empowered. That's the witch archetype. It's literally something that evolves and changes, which is why it makes it so hard to, uh, to describe Exactly. But at the same time, point to the fact that it means you are empowered. Beautiful. Jamie, you have so many beautiful practices in the book, both meditations, rituals, spells. I wonder if you might share a little practice with uh, us today. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to go with my favorite, which is the tree of life meditation. Mm. So this is a wonderful meditation for when you need to feel connected to your own self, sometimes we get really scattered and we're feeling that, you know, we're running at 60%, 50%, whatever it is that we think we're not at full capacity and we need more energy. And maybe, you know, there's nobody we can actually turn to, but nature, Mother Earth is always here. So take three deep breaths. Imagine that your spine is the trunk of a tree. Feel this solidarity within your own self, this column of energy flowing up and down. Up and a big breath and out. And now imagine that your feet are like roots and they're growing deep into Mother Earth and they're connecting deep into the earth energy. And pull that energy up, pull that groundedness up from the mother energy. Imagine the great mother, not a little mothers who raised us, the ones, the humans doing their best job, but the mother archetype, the great goddess mother archetype. Feel her sending energy into your roots, nourishing your roots, nourishing you up through your toes, to your knees, to your hips, up through your belly and your heart chakra. Feel that energy. Feel the strength of life force coming up to you, up throughout your whole body, filling you up like sap, up out of the top of your head, first branches that then turn and head down back towards the earth like a willow or a big oak tree. And these branches are going back down to the earth, back down to the connection so that the source comes 
back up through you, out through the branches, down back to Mother Earth, up through you, out through the branches, back down to Mother Earth. And as this cycle goes, as you're breathing in the energy of Mother Earth, showering it out through your branches and back down to Mother Earth, you can repeat or hear these words, as above, so below, source to source, clearly face to grow. As I will it, so shall it be, spell make it so. And anytime you need this energy, anytime you need to feel the nourishment from Mother Earth, you can visualize yourself as this tree with roots extending down deep into Mother Earth, picking up her nourishment, sending it up through your body, out through the top of yourself in some grand, beautiful expression that no one else on this planet could have but you. You are so important. Your expression is needed. And you are connected and you are loved you are welcomed and you belong and so it is jamie thank you so much for that beautiful meditation i loved the visual of it and i loved getting to talk to you about the parallels between a meditative lifestyle a witchy lifestyle and all the little crossovers in between is there anything i didn't ask you that you wanted to talk about today I think just the one little thing we we chatted really quickly about that you it, it's easier sometimes to say witchy versus witch. Mm-hmm. And I just want to let that be okay. Let the, let whatever you call yourself, however you define yourself to be okay. Don't ever feel like there's a right or a wrong way of living your life. And so I just mm-hmm. really want to make sure that I add that little part because claiming the word witch in this society isn't easy. And so if it feels easier to say I'm witchy, then let that be good. Let that be good enough. So I just, I want to make sure that I include that, that there's no hard and fast rules in this magical game. It's it's all about just falling in love with nature and life itself and being in awe of it and creating that magic whenever you can. It's beautiful. Thank you. Where can listeners find out Thank more you. about you? Where can they find a box of magic? Yay, a box of magic is going to be available September 26th. Um, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Bookshop. Um, ask for it at your local bookstore. Support your local bookstore if you can. Um, you can find me at medella.com. I'm on Instagram, TikTok, and, and um, what do I say? Um, I think Twitter as well. Well, Twitter, I'm backside of the wind. So it's a little harder to find me there, but mostly it's Jamie Della. Yeah, that, that was, that was like when I was rebelling against everything, but, um, and then I, but I, you can also, uh, Jamie Della writes is where you can find me. I have a newsletter that I send out every new and full moon. And I also have a YouTube channel. So, and two blogs that I put out. Um, yeah. So there's lots going on. So come find me. Let's play magic. Wonderful listeners. I will put links in the show notes. Jamie, total joy to get to chat with you today. Thank you for your time, your energy. Appreciate you. Thank you. I loved being here. You have wonderful, thoughtful questions, and I hope the listeners learned and felt a hug from the witchy world, from from me to you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for listening to The Mindful Minute. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving me a review wherever you get your podcasts. 
This helps others to find the show. And let's face it, we could definitely use more meditators out there. The Mindful Minute is recorded on Muskogee land and is produced with the support of Michael Sayhouse and Brianna Nielsen. To join my live classes, ask questions, or learn more about my teacher trainings, please visit MerrillArnett.com. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next week.